everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. drama that I am talking about today with you guys is Hotel de Luna. <laughs> wow. So I've just finished watching it and now I'm sitting down trying to gather my thoughts into some sort of coherent bundle, which I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Oh my gosh, this show is, it's so many things. Um, I feel like, you know, there's moments where it's so funny. It's so interesting. It goes to really, really dark places. And ultimately, it left me feeling like I have a big fucking hole in my heart. <laughs> oh, I've just like, whoa, I don't know. I've just been kind of drifting around the house before I started recording this, just feeling a little bit, is bereft the right word? <laughs> I feel like it's the right word. Oh, I don't know how I feel. Like, I mean, I loved it, but it, there's a bitterness to this show as well. I don't want to say it's a tragedy because I don't think that's quite what it is. I think it's more a celebration of life in all the bitterness that comes along with living. It's such an interesting show. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, okay, so I've gotten off track already, which is great, um, but I'm sure regular listeners um, will expect that from me by now. <laughs> um, so this show, Hotel de Luna, is a 16 episode, but a lot of the episodes are really long, so it's, you know, it's not super, super short. Um, and it came out in 2019. And of course, one thing that's very famous about the show is the people that wrote it are the Hong sisters. So the Hong sisters have, uh, they have a lot of hits in their backlist. And I guess um, for me, I have a very hit and miss kind of relationship with the Hong sisters. I don't always fully, I, th I was trying to think about it because I love this show. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I have to say like, probably one of the reasons that um, I, I have taken so long to watch Hotel Del Luna, despite hearing everyone say how fantastic it is. One was I knew it was going to be like a bit rough in terms of being sad. Um, and it's only more recently I feel like I've come to terms with watching like things that rip out my heart and stomp on it on the floor. Um, I feel like I'm getting better with that kind of stuff. Um, but the other reason was that, yeah, the, the, the Hong sisters, I think, I think one of the reasons I'm not oh, – sometimes I love their dramas and sometimes not so much, but I do think that maybe um, when they do male leads, they have a like a particular type, which is this – I don't want to say – you know, just um, almost man-child, if that's the right way to put it. Um, yeah, kind of male lead, I guess. And I don't always go in for that type of like very – 
petty kind of um, dude. I'm just thinking of some of them. Um, but I think in Hotel de Luna, and obviously that's just personal taste. Like that's nothing to do with their writing or, you know, the quality of their shows. This is just me being like, I don't know if I connect to that kind of character. And I think they do use that kind of character a lot. But I think in Hotel de Luna, it's quite interesting because I think that character is still there, but I think it's kind of been gender swapped. And I think the female lead is playing, you know, this very rich, aloof, very petty, very, again, you know, that some of the pettiness is a little bit childish. And yet when it's the female lead, I fully embraced it. I don't know if that's just because it felt like such a fresh, unique female lead character, or if it's just IU is a fucking charming human being. And I loved watching her play this person. Um, but I loved this show. I thought the Hong sisters did such a fucking good job. It is a real joy to watch. Um, so the show obviously looks beautiful. There's clearly a lot of money here. There's special effects that look just frankly magical, I think. And the overall aesthetic of the show and atmosphere is very oh, opulent and, and like uh, saturated kind of colors. It's just really deep. Like it feels like the show or the world that of the show has such depth to it. You know, you don't ever feel like you're on a set. You feel like you are in a world that is endless. It's really, really beautifully shot. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, it's really interesting for me. I feel God, just coming off, you know, just finishing it. And the ending is intense. Like if I'm honest, <laughs> it made me cry. I cried a lot just before. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of feeling, I was going to say I'm feeling better. I'm like, am I feeling better? No, I'm feeling really sad, <laughs> but in a good way. And I think that's what's so interesting about this show. Um, you know, this show is about death. It is a show about death. Death is the theme of this whole story. But I think it's like, it's not in a negative way. It's not in a bad way. Um, I don't know, probably a lot of listeners have already heard of it, but um, there's this thing called Memento Mori that is something I really like. So it's it's basically just a concept, um, but it was really, really popular in like um, Victorian England, like very popular at the time. And basically you carry like a memento of a like, I don't know, a little skeleton or a skull or whatever. That's what they did back then. Very fashionable, apparently. But memento mori basically means remember that you will die. And that might sound super negative, but um, it isn't meant to be. It's meant to be remember that you will die. Like it's inevitable it's going to happen. Therefore, think about how you want to spend this short and precious life. And I feel like that's what this whole show is about. It's like farewells are so sad. Endings are so sad. Death is so sad, but they are part of life and they are inevitable. There is no avoiding these things. And therefore, how do you want to spend your time in this world? Like, what do you want to do with your time? How do you want to treat the people around you? And what do you want to care about? And I think for that reason, this show feels so, so emotional and moving because I think it, it really is leaning into this idea of just the inevitable ending of the things around you, but in this positive way that reminds you 
to be happy and live and tell the people that you love that you love them. You know, I think it's really, really beautiful. But at the same time, it has this bitterness. Like this show really doesn't shy away from you know, unfair things as well. You know, it's not like a happy-go-lucky fairy tale. There's this sense of authenticity to what life feels like, which is sometimes it's shit, sometimes it's unfair. You know, like a lot of the ghosts in the show die early. They die from unfair reasons. Like life isn't always good, but it is life and you should live it. I think it's, I don't know, it's so interesting that you know, a drama about ghosts makes you think about how to live, you know, a whole show about people who are dead and it just, you kind of come out the other end being like, yeah, okay, I need to go live my life and do well. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really beautiful. You can tell from my very random rambling that it's made me think a lot, like the themes in this show have made me feel thoughtful and also because I just finished the last episode, which is so sad, um, it's made me feel sad. Um, so my chest aches a little bit, but in that way that it should, you know, it was a very, very satisfying ending for me. Um, so I kind of touched on why I watched it. Um, did I touch on why I watched it? No, I didn't. <laughs> so why I watched it, right, <laughs> is because um, I've mentioned on the podcast a lot in the past that I met a lovely friend, um, Lizzie, through this podcast. Hello, Lizzie. And we do a K-drama club. So we just watch a show and we chat about it afterwards. And this was um, a show that Lizzie picked. So she'd seen it before and really, really loves it. And she suggested we watch it because I hadn't. And I, you know, it's been on my list forever. And I think, yeah, I feel like I was just a little bit afraid of it. Maybe I knew, I knew that it would be just very emotional kind of roller coaster for me. Um, and it was, but in the best of ways. Um, so I'm so glad I watched this one finally. And it's one of those, those cases where, you know, once you get into it, I'm like, why, why did I wait so long? I should have watched this forever ago. It's so good. Um, so I'm just going to talk very quickly about the cast before I get on with the general setup of the show and what it's about. Um, so Hotel de Luna, of course, stars IU, the actress IU as the female lead. Frankly, she is the fucking star of the show. She is so good. The more I see IU and stuff, the more I love her. I think she has such depth as an actress. She's like, she's stunning to look at. Like she's absolutely beautiful, but she's so good. Um, this show, some of the stuff, like oh, just when her character's going through intense moments, whether she's sad or angry or like falling apart inside, like IU, just this character is so you know, she gets emotional at times, but there's this level of kind of holding herself in and holding herself back. And you just see it all in IU's eyes when she's acting this role. There's just so much going on and you can see it all reflected in her eyes, even if the rest of her face is, you know, not doing much except being, you know, freaking beautiful. <laughs> she's so good in this. I feel like I just, you know, I'm sure there's other actresses who could have done a great job at playing this character who I feel is very iconic now after seeing this. Like, this is an amazing character. Um, but I just feel like, oh, I'm so glad it's IU. I think she does so well. And it's such a larger than life character. So IU plays Jung Manwol. Uh, so Manwol is the owner of this, basically a ghost hotel, <laughs> which is Hotel Del Luna, um, originally known as Guest House 
of the moon. So I'll get into the setup of it, but she is basically a very, very, very old ghost who has been chained to this hotel and this work and this vocation. Oh, well, it's not a vocation because she doesn't give a shit about it. She's there because she has to be. And she has this unbelievably deep grudge um, that, of course, gets untangled little by little throughout the whole show. Um, her character development is extraordinary. I loved it. Um, so the male lead in this drama is played by the actor Yo Dingu. Um, so he plays a character called Chun Song, who is a human who kind of gets through all these different things. And I'll talk about it in a second, but he kind of gets roped in to be a manager of this ghosty hotel. Um, Yo Jingu, I really like him. He is very warm. Like there's just something about the actor. I think that's really warm. Um, and I think he really suits this character who's basically literally exists in this drama to Thor. Um, I use character, the female lead, Jung Mun Wall, like to Thor her prickly edges and, you know, I don't know, squirm his way into her heart and make her feel emotions and feelings again other than intense anger and hate. <laughs> so I think he was a good choice for this role. Um, there's a whole bunch of side characters that I feel are really, really good. Like particularly the Hotel de Luna staff. I really liked all of them. I found them. They all just embodied their roles so well. And the characters are amazing. I won't go into everyone just because there's so many people. Um, but the last person that I did want to mention is sort of the second male. I mean, he's the second male lead for sure, but he's not like he's not in the drama a huge, huge amount. But the small amounts that he's in this drama are like bloody hell. <laughs> Scene stealer, if you ask me. That's what I think. Um, so this is the actor, Ido Hyun, who is, uh, he's not especially new to K-drama land, but maybe he's new to me, like fully sitting up and taking notice of this dude. Um, so he plays a character called, I don't know, Chong Myung? Chong Myung? Uh, he plays the second male lead who is from uh, IU, so the female lead's character's past. And for me, like total scene stealer, I loved everything about this character. And, you know, now Ido Hyun, who is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to follow around um, K-drama land, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, it was it's really cool. So uh, there's other, you know, there's a zillion other characters. There's some amazing cameos. Um, so, and heaps of ghosts sort of floating in and out of every episode. Um, but I won't go into all of that. But what I will go into now is the general setup of Hotel de Luna. So the opening of Hotel de Luna, the first episode, absolutely blew me away. I thought it's it just, it's so moody and beautiful and just emotional immediately. So we open in, I'm pretty sure it's like Gagoyo, which is, you know, super, super old uh, historical career. And we open with Ayu's character, Manwal, you know, dressed as, you know, a Gagoyo sort of, I want to say like warrior peasant. <laughs> I don't know what she is. But she's just walking around in this like terrifying dark landscape, like all these just fields of emptiness in the dark with and she's pulling along this old creaky sort of wooden cart and it's filled with the belongings of the dead and she's followed like she, you don't see it but she knows that she's followed by a lot of dead people that she has just murdered um and there's just this ethereal 
magical but in a like a dark kind of way it's the mythology in the show is so good it, it feels so solid like it really feels like a big huge interesting well thought out world um so Manuel, you can just like her, she looks so ravaged she looks completely fucked um immediately you just know from her face that there is just the worst tragedy behind her she's drinking and she comes to this place where she meets this woman who's like you know you think it's an old woman but it's basically this deity or deity however you want to pronounce that like I guess a spirit or a god um called Margot and she has many different forms in this drama again I loved it I loved all her different forms and the way, you know, she kind of modernizes herself with the times and to, you know, whatever aspect of, you know, the world that she represents. I thought she was, it was just really interesting mythology. I really liked it. Um, but Manuel meets this, this person, Margot, and Margot basically tethers her, tethers Manuel to this big tree. And she like, kind of to atone for her sins on earth is what like my impression of what was going on and Manuel gets chained to this tree not like literally but like her heart her herself her embodiment or whatever is this tree and she has to run this guest house of the dead which means she has to welcome in like lost souls and help them if she can kind of fix their grievances and then usher them through but she can never go through. So she can never go to the other side. She can never cross the river to the afterworld, which is where you go to lose your sense of self, your memories, and be reborn to start fresh. So she never gets the opportunity to do that. And then it's, you know, a thousand, and I think it's a thousand three hundred years later, and we're in modern day Seoul. And, you know, the guest house of the moon has been rebranded and renamed Hotel de Luna. And it's this very, like, big, incredible looking building, which, you know, no one can really see or knows is there except for these, you know, restless ghosts, these ghosts that need somewhere to go. Um, and yeah, all the guests in this hotel are just basically dead people who go and stay there to either like do something that they didn't get to do in life. So I guess, you know, kind of solve their different regrets or grievances or just work through what they need to or potentially just rest if they've, you know, had this mad busy life for existence and then they get ushered on their way into the afterworld. Um, so the drama then is kind of flips around and it really, to me, feels like, feels like a fairy tale. Like, I don't know. I've read a lot of like, you know, the really old creepy original fairy tales. Um, for some reason, I really like that stuff. And the beginning of Hotel de Luna seriously reminded me of the Rapunzel fairy tale, um, which is basically, I think it's like a dad and he's, you know, he's kind of coveting some bloody vegetable in, in, you know, the yard next door, which has a tower in it. And so I think he climbs over the, the wall or whatever and he like steals or I don't know fucking cabbage or something and the witch obviously comes out of the tower and is like you can have my cabbage but you have to give me your daughter or something like that I don't know <laughs> but in the end the dad ends up promising his daughter to this witch and of course the witch comes eventually and takes the daughter I think maybe the daughter's not even born at that point and the daughter then gets installed in some mad tower and you know becomes Rapunzel and grows her hair real long um so <laughs> as you can see the correlation is not like exact but in Hotel de 
Luna, um, we see Yojin Gu's like younger self, um, Chan Song. And Chan Song's dad is kind of a bit of a good for nothing. He's like, he's, you know, a single dad. He's trying to look after his kid, but he's, I think he's got gambling problems. He's not doing very well. And he gets hit in the head and I think he's dying, but he doesn't realize it. He's just walking around as like sort of a ghost. And he goes into the Hotel de Luna and he's walking around in there and he actually stumbles on this tree, which I think they call like a moon tree, um, which is of course Manuel's. I don't know, her heart, her, her, just everything that's tethering her to this world. This is why she's still here and she can't leave or move on. And it's this big dead tree, basically, because I think it's supposed to represent that, you know, she's dead inside. She's ice cold. Um, and the dad, you know, steals a little flower off the tree and because he's sort of fucked around inside the hotel, he's allowed to leave, but in return, she gets his son. <laughs> so she's basically setting up her next hotel manager because she always needs a, a one human hotel manager um, who obviously, you know, as they get old and pass away, someone else takes over that role because even though the hotel sort of doesn't exist, it still does exist on a piece of land that they own and there's still taxes to pay and there's this certain really interesting relationship with the real world and reality, even though partly the place you know, is this extension on the real world, like there's a beach in the hotel and stuff like that. Um, so I really actually liked this kind of little fairy tale beginning. Like it's a very dark fairy tale, these ones where, you know, parents are always accidentally basically selling their children to witches and stuff. Um, and of course, then we catch up again with uh, Tan Song when he's a lot older. And he, he kind of knows about all this stuff. His dad's like, don't go back to Korea. He's been overseas studying. His dad's like, never go back. Like this scary woman's going to make you work in her hotel. But of course, he studied to be a, what is it, a hotelier, um, you know, a hotel manager or whatever. Um, so he's well primed for the position. But he thinks that the kind of the time limit's done. But when he comes back to Korea, of course, Manuel immediately turns up. She gives him the power to see ghosts, which is, as you can imagine, <laughs> fucking terrifying, but also very funny for us viewers. So there's lots of kind of hijinks. Um, and this is the part of the show for me. Um, I don't know why. Like, I was riveted with the historical beginning. Like, oh, I use so good in it. Just she just so much is going on in her face. She just looks so just like she's been through hell. And then I really liked the little fairy tale beginning. Um, but then the drama kind of gets into this part where it's, it's I think it spends about, I don't know, like two episodes or something with Manuel kind of turning up out of the blue and absolutely terrifying Chan Song with different ghosts and different things and explaining to him the world, but also with just trying to get him to come and work at the hotel. I still really enjoyed this stuff, but I felt like it was kind of slow, but I think maybe that's just me personally, because I was like, I knew where it was going, right? I knew he was going to accept the offer and go work in the hotel. So I was like, Tasong, like, fucking hurry up. <laughs> I want to see what it's like when you are actually working at this place. Um, so of course, eventually he does agree. And then really that's when the show hits its stride. For me, that was the point where I started getting like crazy invested in this story and these characters. Um, so basically, Manuel is an epic character. I loved her so much. If you can imagine, like, imagine actually living for 1,300 years and your first life, your first, like, I don't know how old she's meant to be, but like, say, barely 20-something years 
is an absolute tragedy. You feel like you have gotten everybody you loved killed. You've seen them die in front of you. So she's bearing this intense grudge, like this endlessly deep grudge that she cannot do anything about. So it's just this poison just sitting inside her. She's chained to this tree to, you know, to run this guest house of the moon, like not changed, chained literally, uh, literally, of course, there's no chains involved. Um, it's just a magic chain, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm getting off topic. But, um, you know, and then after that, you know, she she's seen her own world. She's seen, you know, her her country disappear. She's fought for it. And then she's seen all the people she loved die and she's fought for them. And now she just has to watch as history unfolds. And I just was thinking about it. Like, can you imagine how bitter you would get if a thousand three hundred years passed and you see, you know, you see your kind of world rise and then fall. You see the next kingdom come and rise and then fall and another dynasty born, which rises and falls tragically. And you just see it over and over again. And you see the futility of everything because she's so untethered from people and from the world. She doesn't care about the people who work with her or, you know, I guess even, you know, the human managers. There's this this great scene that I really liked, like in the hotel, it's so beautiful. She has like all these paintings and old photographs of herself and the hotel at different points through time. So, you know, there's a painting of her in the Joseon dynasty, you know, in front of the hotel or whatever. And then there's this amazing picture of her, you know, in um, during the Korean War in like the 50s. And then, you know, you just see her all through time with this old school photography, but it's always just her alone, her and the hotel. And then at the end of the drama, this really beautiful, satisfying moment is when Tan Song, you know, gets her to take, you know, a photo of Manuel at Hotel de Luna to commemorate the time there. But this time they ask, you know, he's in the photo and all the, all the other workers that are kind of major characters, the staff at the hotel are all in the photo. And she says that it was always only her because she never thought they mattered. You know, everyone else came and went and came and went and came and went and she just gets more and more bitter and disconnected and jaded about everything and on top of that she nurses this grudge inside her and it grows and grows and there's nowhere for it to go there's no one to aim it at except herself which only makes her more poisonous it's such an interesting character and the thing that I found really interesting is, you know, in this modern era, she is channeling all this like disconnect um, or discontent and disconnectedness with the world into like an obsession for material things. She's just like obsessed with like, you know, fashion and restaurants and caviar and champagne and like speedy, good looking cars. So I don't know. I thought she was just such an epic character. I liked her so much, um, but she's so complex and interesting and like very, very dark at times as well, which I really liked. I felt like as a main character, there's a couple of times that she either does or nearly does or like fully intends to cross the line and maybe something happens and she's, you know, unable to in the end. But like she she does some bad shit in the show and I loved it. I love that they never kind of pull back from 
the kind of person that someone who's that unhappy could truly become after a thousand years of, you know, atoning for their sin. It's just so full on. I loved the mythology of this show. It's so clever. Um, so in general with the setup, I, I, you know, there's not a huge amount to say once uh, Chan Song begins his work as the manager at the hotel and he starts having to try and figure out how to manage Manuel because all she wants to do is spend money and be pissy at him. So he has to kind of herd her around and figure her out. Um, and then he starts to realize there's, you know, some deep, dark stuff going on with her as well. And this is the point where Chan Song begins having dreams about Manuel's past. So he sees her in her real life when she's alive. And he begins to see what her story is. And as he does, so do we as viewers. And her backstory is incredible. I loved it. The historical sections of this drama are just you know, I would watch a whole drama just of them. They were riveting. They look amazing. They're so just gorgeously shot and Oh, I don't know. It's so epic. It's just like, you know, a huge kind of, I don't know, epic romance tragedy set in like Gagoyo era. And it's absolutely riveting. So I loved it. I love these little peeks into her past. But I also really liked the way, um, you know, it takes a long time for us to see the full story. We just get these little pieces of the puzzle, these little hints. And as a viewer, you have to try and piece them together as Chan Song is also trying to do. And then, of course, you know, these little pieces of her past begin to rear their head every now and then. But the main thing is, you know, a guest will come and they'll have to figure it out. So there's almost like an episodic feel to the show in that there's usually a ghost and, you know, they have to kind of solve a problem to do with a ghost. But usually that problem to do with the ghost is then raising a theme or an idea that relates back to usually Manuel and her emotional state or her development as a character as she, you know, slowly comes back to life as you know, Chan Song slowly breathes life back into her. Um, and it's such a intense and sad story because the whole thing is that she is, you know, she's like ice. She's shut off other than to material pleasures. She doesn't care about anything. She doesn't feel anything. But as the show progresses and Chan Song kind of, you know, brings her back to life, she slowly begins to, like, care about living again, you know, like realize how precious moments are. And then, of course, that's the point where her time is coming to an end because by living, she has kind of, I guess, fulfilled her cycle. But it also means, you know, that it's the end and she has to go. So it's so sad. Um, it really, really moved me. I loved it so much. Um, so that's the general setup. And now I'm going to chat about some of the stuff I loved. And there was a, there was a lot of stuff I loved in this one. <laughs> Okay, so the stuff that I loved about Hotel Del Luna. Let's see if I can do this without being too waffly. And also, I'll tell you right now that I cannot. <laughs> All right, so number one on my list that I've written down of stuff that I loved is Ayu. Um, and I've already talked about how amazing she is in this. Um, she's amazing as an actress, but also she is a joy to look at. Um, you know, one of the things about the drama that I knew before watching it was just 
the mad fashion levels. Like every single time IU is on screen, she has a different sort of sumptuous outfit and, you know, jewelry and makeup style and nail polish and shoes and hair. Like it's just, it's literally like, I don't know, watching a fashion week or something. It's incredible. You can probably tell I don't know much about Fashion Week because I called it a Fashion Week. Um, But yes, I don't. But also, I liked all the fashion in this. It was really, really fun just to kind of see what she would be wearing in the next scene. And I think everything's so sumptuous looking and um, opulent that that was just really, really fun for me. Um, So next on my list of stuff that I loved was the historical segments. Um, I've kind of, you know, I, I said it before, they look amazing. They're so exciting. They're just their own story. Like I would love to watch that story, hopefully with a happier ending, but that exact story with those characters and those, that casting in um, its own drama, like it really felt big enough and weighty enough and worth its own kind of big story. So I would have loved to have dug deeper into it, but I think as her backstory that we get shown in little sections and it gets fleshed out, it is so moving and it's very very romantic and tragic but beautiful as well I think it's shot so well um like I said like total scene stealer um Ido Hyun the actor who plays the second male lead um I loved him I loved his character I just really liked the whole story between them and the romance and it just felt oh it just made me feel so much I guess I really 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 liked it Um, So the next thing on my list is the mythology of the world. Um, I felt like it made so much sense. I felt like everything just felt like this giant tapestry of this really complex and complicated mythology of this world and how it works with the afterlife and, you know, the Hotel de Luna or the guest house of the moon and the roles, the different deities or whatever they're called play in this world. And it was just written really well. I think it felt so deep and it felt like there was just different layers that we kept kind of getting peeled back to discover more. And I I just think that's really, really clever writing because I think world building, you know, even if the world that you're building in your fictional story is based on, you know, mythology that exists or ideas that exist, it's still a really, really hard thing to do. I think particularly when you're dealing with um, magic uh, to make sure there's no flaws in your reasoning or holes or that it doesn't seem too surface level so that like too convenient, like, like magic is only useful when it's useful to your plot. Like this world, for me, Hotel de Luna, the mythology of it felt lived in. It felt like something that really had been happening in the background of our, you know, normal world for a thousand years, for thousands of years, and we were getting a peek into it. So I really liked that. I think it just, it felt kind of authentic. So, um, yeah, you know, just the tree that Manuel is chained to and as it wakes up, so is she. But of course, that means that it is then going to, you know, as soon as it grows leaves and it flowers, you know, what happens next? It drops them and it dies. And that is the cycle of life. It's so beautiful, but bittersweet. Um, So I really loved, you know, I guess I'm just listing different mythology things that I enjoyed. So I liked the way that when the ghosts get ushered through the tunnel, that means that they're leaving this world. And when you walk over this, these beautiful bridges over the, the river, 
to the other side with this like pink sunset and these stars falling and it's just misty and beautiful and little by little you lose your memories as you walk along this you know really long bridge and by the time you get to the end you've forgotten you've forgotten everything you've even forgotten the people that you loved in your life and then you were reborn and you begin the cycle again there's something so again it's this bittersweetness to it like it's not bad but it I don't know it just really like it made my heart ache the idea of it um but it was beautiful as well so I've written you know the 12 deities and all their different forms death himself who just sort of turns up all the time to usher people through the tunnel um and then these other little bits of um or elements of the mythology in the world so like there's a scene where we find out about this guardian um who's like the guardian of the well in this little village where they move the hotel de luna to at one point and I loved all that stuff too you know that he's sort of strong because he's worshipped by the people for creating you know for never running out of water in this well and creating the most sweet water in the district or whatever but that you know he's finding it harder and harder to create the water that the people want and he knows that when he stops creating it they will forget him you know he will just fade away and it was so I just think it's so interesting um that idea of being a guardian of something and then I don't know I just thought it was really cool I feel like there was so many interesting ideas that really sparked my imagination in this show um and of course one thing that's amazing is the grudges of the ghosts left behind in this show I think all that stuff was deep and dark and fascinating it was so cool um all the staff members at the hotel de luna that we get to know one by one are all staying there as staff members because they have this massive regret or grudge they have this thing that they can't let go of that tethers them to this world and it's why they can't bear to leave it so they stay and work at the hotel de luna so they can stay and maybe you know outlive their grudge or see it come to an end Um, And I loved that stuff. I thought it was really, really interesting learning what it was, you know, why each of these people felt so wronged and how they could try and resolve it. But even that maybe resolving it, you know, if vengeance was what they wanted, maybe even getting that vengeance isn't actually going to make you feel any better. Like you were wronged. It I don't think there's any fixing that you know I I just thought all that stuff was really really interesting and I liked it um so I do have a bit of a list as well which I'm just going to include under my stuff I loved because it's basically all stuff that I love (laughs) so that makes sense doesn't it (laughs) so this is of course the list um that I kind of just typed you know into my phone while I was watching the show um so so I one thing I thought was really interesting is the way that in the show things weren't, you know, magic isn't always good and happy. Like there is a cruelty to say the deities and the rules and the rules around what you can and can't do as a ghost. And I really actually liked it because it felt so authentic to the world. You know, some things aren't fair. Some things are not black and white and deserve to be explained like there are different circumstances around a situation but in in the drama there are these rules that are just black and white and I I really liked it just because it it felt so true to life um 
And, you know, in a drama that deals so heavily with these themes of life and death, I like that it didn't sugarcoat the unfairness of situations at time. Like, you know, the idea that you can die with a grudge and it sucks, but that's, that's, that's it. That's how it is, because that is true to life. Um, so I really liked it. Um, an instant of that is, of course, there is this mad cupboard <laughs> in a room in the hotel and there is this ghost in it who has basically just turned into this raging, terrifying monster who hates humans and will kill any human that comes near them or like turn them mad or whatever but you know eventually we find out this ghost's backstory she escapes from the cupboard she goes out into the wild you know into the wide world again and she starts hunting down these men and I can't remember if she turns them mad or she murders them or whatever but it's you know it's bad um, and she's getting hunted by one of the deities who's like, you know, the severe rule breaking kind of, I'm going to come get you kind of deity, like the vengeance kind of one or whatever, or justice, I suppose. And this deity is after this ghost because the ghost has breached a rule. And the rule is that ghosts can't hurt humans. And this ghost, ghost not a goat, no, not a goat, a ghost. The ghost has been going around and killing and hurting humans. So, but of course we find out as viewers what this ghost's backstory is. And it's that, it's, it's fucking horrible. It was so sad to the point where you're like, I kind of, I mean, I totally get why she's going around murdering these guys, but basically, you know, there's like some, someone, I don't know if she gets like, um, if she gets drugged or not, but either way, against her will, like there's no consent involved, a videotape of her, like a sex tape gets out and it gets shared around everywhere, but particularly all the people she knows. She goes into like basically hiding at home. She's going crazy. She's so like humiliated and she ends up killing herself. And it's, you know, and the guys who did it just get off scot-free, like no, no consequences. And I, it's horrible. It's so upsetting. And even worse, you know, because she's turned into a ghost, she comes back and yeah, she dispatches some of these dudes and whatever. But as a result of that, the, de the deity comes in and is like, you've breached this rule. And now it's not even that she gets sent to the afterlife. She gets burnt up and she ceases to exist. It's so dark, but it kind of shows you the consequences of the world like this isn't it isn't a fairyland you know there are real consequences to your actions in this world and it also highlights the risk of Manwal and you know how how far she's willing to go over the line because we constantly see her wavering um her grudge and her resentment is so deep that she doesn't care if she gets burnt up to a crisp and of course it's Chansung's whole role in the story to try and pull her back from that edge and protect her basically from herself um but I did I just liked that oh, it sounds so weird to say that I liked these situations that felt unfair, but I just liked that the drama had that sense of consequence and reality to it. It just felt so true to life. Um, so another thing I really liked about the drama was, um, I just said the bellhop couple. Um, so the bellhop boy is just this kind of, you know, he's supposed to be a teen ghost, I guess. Um, and he's the bellhop, um, you know, the whatever, the greeting dude <laughs> at, at the door of the hotel. Um, but he died during the Korean War. Um, and, you know, he's been working there for the last 70 years. And he's he says he can't go because he's waiting for his sister 
to go so they can go together. And his sister is, you know, 70 something and very sick and old. And his whole thing just murdered my heart. It was so well done. Like his whole grudge was so well done. It, it really, oh, it was so sad, but like, beautiful as well and of course he falls in love with this you know this other girl who's been through her, her own backstory but you know they have to say goodbye at the end because his whole thing is he's waited for his sister and he's going to take her across and the scene of him going to greet his sister when she dies is beautiful it's so beautiful I loved it um, so another thing, I, again, I'm, this is just back to the historical sections. I love them. I've written down Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because there's this scene at the start of the historical stuff that just reminded me of that movie so much, which is a movie I really enjoyed. Um, but it's kind of got like, it just starts off in such a similar way. So there's this like, you know, kind of, um, traveling caravan through the desert or whatever. And the, the kind of bandit thieves come on down and like steal stuff from the princess inside the thing it just reminds me of um the yeah the start of oh, not the start but that kind of middle section of crouching tiger hidden dragon it's the same sort of story um but of course the characters in this are different which is manuel is the leader of the thieves and um you know ido hyun the second male lead plays this warrior guy who comes in it's it's epic and it's cool and I should probably stop talking about it but I liked it so much um it's also very tragic and you know Yonu which is um kind of the best friend and brother figure to Manuel's character is so sad like the tragic end of it all is just bloody hell it's full on um there's also this one scene in the drama which again relates to the historical stuff but because we kind of see the historical sections in these like little hints and scenes or even just images but one that really struck me because of the way it was shot it was so beautiful there's this whole like um wedding ghost kind of storyline going on at the hotel someone um you know, needs to get married at the hotel and all this different stuff happens. But basically, um, Chan Song is getting, so this is in the modern section, of course, he's getting roped into basically being the groom of a ghost. And he's kind of waiting in this little groom room, groom room um, in the hotel before he goes out to the wedding. And he's kind of sitting there and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I agreed to do this. This is really terrible. Um, and then, you know, he goes out to, he, he goes and he opens the door to walk out into the hall. But instead of there being a hall, it's like suddenly he's, it's a scene from the past and it's Manuel's past, of course. And there's this woman sitting in a different room right in front of him, covered in this ornate red and gold veil, like a wedding veil. And slowly she pulls it off her face and her hand is just dripping blood. And Manuel just like looks at him and like, oh, it's just the most sumptuously beautiful shot. And her eyes are so like haunted and intense and it's beautiful. So it really sticks out of my head. I liked it so much. Like it's very tragic, but my gosh, it's gorgeous. Um, the next thing I have on my list that I really liked was um, when they move um, the Hotel Del Luna into the country. And I was like, oh, it's like Howl's Moving Castle, which is a fantastic movie. I love it so much. Um, so another thing that I really, really loved uh, was when Manuel, she 
people from her past who have been reincarnated, have been born again and are living different worlds begin to kind of converge on her and she starts seeing people from her past again. So she actually sees basically her second greatest enemy, who's this princess from, you know, her, her child, like when she was alive. Um, and this princess is someone that she's murdered. Manuel is murdered, but also that's because this princess murdered all the people that Manuel loved. But seeing her again is so distressing to Manuel. But what she does to this woman who has been reborn, who has no memories of the past, who is essentially a good person, she hasn't done anything wrong in this lifetime at all. Manuel invites this woman to the hotel and she kind of sets up this carnival for her like in the hotel it's so creepy and crazy and she's she kind of gets this this woman to think of her best memory you know and it's this photo that the woman has and it's of her when she's a kid with her two parents her two loving parents at this fun fair and she's like it was you know, this really formative moment, this special thing that she remembers from her childhood because her parents loved her and they took her to this fun fair and she had an incredible time. And Manuel just like stares at her. This like, IU is so good. It's so intense. And she basically begins to tell this woman that that memory is false, that what really happened was that her mother didn't even want her there and forgot her and left her behind and that her dad said it was like her fault, that, I don't know, whatever bad thing. But Manuel just tweaks the memory and makes it into this sour, poisonous seed that you realize is going to infect this woman. This formative moment that was good is now bad. And it is going to destroy her whole psyche from the inside out. It was so intense. I was like, whoa, that is dark. But of course, um, Tan Song turns up and manages, you know, to, to save the other woman by basically, I don't know, soaking in the curse himself. But I really liked it. I liked that Manuel did it. You know, she was willing to go that far. That is how deep her grudge is. It was War was intense. Um, and then the last thing on the list, I mean, there's so many things that I loved, but these are just ones that I particularly made a note of. Um, so this is my last one. There is this moment, you know, as all, you know, the drama progresses and a lot of the staff who are the ghosts who have their own grudges are slowly like getting faced with whatever their grudge is and how to solve it or not. Um, one of the first ones is this woman who is like, I don't know what she is. She's like the head of the house or the maids or whatever, like a management position in the hotel. And um, she has this grudge against this family who have wronged her, um, who have, you know, taken her baby and resulted in that baby dying back in the Joseon dynasty. And she has, you know, she's cursed this family to die out, but she has, her idea is that she is tethered to the earth until the very last person bearing the name of this family dies until they are extinct from the world. And only then will she, will her grudge be relieved and she can leave. And there's just this, you know, this, this incredible thing where all this stuff happens and she thinks that her grudge has been relieved you know she thinks that she's got what she wanted and then kind of realizes she hasn't but the way that Manuel reacts to all this stuff is I don't know it was really interesting she's just she looks like she, I don't know how IU does it but she looks like she's hungry to see 
you know, her friend's grudge get resolved because in a way she's imagining how it will be when it's her own grudge. But there's this kind of scary, detached kind of fascination with watching how it kind of happens, I suppose. And this hunger to her, it's just written on her face. Like, I just, she's such a good actress. Um, so I really, really liked it. And then as this like little storyline progresses, you know, Manuel kind of asks her friend um, and is like, you know, do you, do you feel better now? Like, is, is, is your grudge resolved? Is everything fixed? And her friend's kind of like, no, <laughs> like it, it hasn't really solved anything. Everything's still the same. You know, she doesn't feel relieved. She doesn't feel less wronged. Everything is the same. And the look on Manuel's face, it's just like she's realized that she's waited 1,300 years to resolve her deep grudge. But most likely, it's never going to happen. It's not going to be what she thinks it is. She's realizing that she's been wrong, but it, I don't know. I really liked it. It was this huge shift for her and she doesn't like, you know, turn all good afterwards. She more leans into the dark because she begins to think that relief from what she's been experiencing, you know, this hell that she's living in is never going to be possible for her. And, oh, it's really, really good. Um, so there's so, so much that I love. There's so many other things I loved to talk about, but I won't because I've been going on and on and on forever. So I will stop there and I'll talk about stuff that I didn't love so much, um, which I don't think there's a huge amount, to be honest. And I feel like all of it's very personal taste, kind of centered and nothing to do with the actual drama itself, but I'm still going to subject you guys to it anyway. Okay, so the stuff that I didn't love quite as much, um, it, like I said, just such personal taste stuff. So honestly, I loved the second male lead. Like I shipped the second male lead. This was my mistake. He was clearly not like the main male lead. It clearly wasn't going to happen, but like I really wanted it to happen. <laughs> so you can see where I'm going with this in the stuff that I didn't love was that the second male lead was the second male lead. I feel like he should have been the first male lead. And also that's completely beside the point and um, everything to do with what this story even is. So it's just a personal taste thing. Um, I liked the historical stuff a lot, of course. That's very much to my taste. Um, but because I liked him so much, I still felt like the drama builds up this connection between Manuel and this man who she thinks that, you know, she was in love with him and she thinks he wronged her. She thinks that he murdered everyone she loved. But most of all, she hates herself because she thinks she fell in love with someone and enabled you know, everyone she loved to die because of her, because she trusted him. So truly she loathes herself more than she loathes him, but she, you know, she takes all that out on holding onto her grudge against this man for 1,300 years, which is a long time to hate someone poisonously. Um, and because she has hated him for 1,300 years, she is also waiting for him to come back around because she's seen, you know, Yonu, who's her sort of older brother figure from her real life, you know, he's been reborn countless times in 1,300 years, but now he's converged back on her. So is the princess Songhua, whatever her name is. So Manuel is beginning to see familiar faces from her past. So she's waiting for this guy to turn up and she thinks that when he comes, she is going to murder the fuck out of him, even though she already did that in her past life or in, you know, his past life, in her 
one life that she has when she was alive. Um, so it's such a big buildup, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, that I felt that the big reveal, the you know, huge spoilers, um, of course, all, all the time. <laughs> but the big reveal is, of course, that this young man has never left her side, that when she killed him, and he sort of kills himself on a sword that she's holding or whatever happens, I don't know. It's all very tragic and really sad. Um, you know, he goes with the Grim Reaper, but when he kind of goes through the tunnel, he he turns back around. He, he can't go. He refuses to leave her because he feels so filled with guilt towards her and he loves her that he, through whatever magic, I think it's Mago, you know, the, the deity or Mago or whatever, um, turns him into this little mad fluttering firefly. And he's just, he's fucking just been there at her side for 1,000 fucking 300 years, looking over her, hanging out, watching as she like fucking kisses Chansong. And I just like, it broke my heart so intensely. I was like, what? And then, Oh, like the build up to where is he? You know, when's he going to come back? How are they going to resolve their differences? Did he really betray her? Or is that a misunderstanding? It, it just, the build up felt huge. And then, you know, she kind of realizes that he's a firefly and she's like, oh, okay. And then she like, I don't know, touches him or whatever. Cause Margo's like, if you, you know, acknowledge him or call his name, he'll turn back into himself. So she's like, you know, whatever magic that he's there again. <laughs> and then she's just kind of like, oh, so I guess your side of the story is, is different. And really, you know, you didn't betray everyone on purpose and it was, you know, all very understandable. And it's like her grudge is just like, poof, I don't know, it just kind of dissolved. And then she has to sort of see him off and she just walks him off into the, the tunnel and goes on the bridge with him. And he's like, oh, maybe like, do you want to come with me to the other world, you know? And she's like, Nah. And then she just walks off home and it's, you know, takes her a while or whatever. And Chan Song is obviously really upset and missing her. But I was like, there was a lot of build up to, or maybe it was just built up in my head, to be honest, because I liked it so much. I liked their, you know, epic, tragic, romantic, doomed romance vibes so much that I wanted more from them meeting again after 1,300 years. I wanted more from that reunion. Um, and it felt like she just was so emotionally, I mean, I guess she's in love with someone else by this point. So she just didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a huge amount of emotion. And I felt really sorry for him because it almost felt like she, you know, as soon as she was able to dismiss her grudge and be like, oh, well, I guess it wasn't, you know, so much your fault, like I thought. And also she's feeling a lot, you know, she's feeling healed a bit by now um, that she's letting these emotions go. She's just kind of like, oh, well, bye. And I was like, what? <laughs> I love this man. Don't just tell him to buy. So anyway, that was just personal. I loved him. And I thought, I don't know, they th I thought they probably should have kissed and got married or something and just, I don't know, gone to the afterworld themselves. But, you know, whatever. If she wants to pick Chan Song, that's fine. It's up to her. Um, this is just me. So because I was so invested in what what was going to happen when they had their reunion. I mean, obviously knew they weren't really going to end up together, but I still wanted a big meaty kind of emotional reunion between them. And I wanted a satisfying conclusion to this storyline that had stretched out for the whole drama. 
Um, and because that isn't exactly what happened, um, the episode after that, I, w I just kind of checked out and I was like, what? You know, I don't care about any of this. Bring back Ido Hyun. But of course he doesn't come back. Um, and so even though I felt very like upset for an episode and I wasn't so into it, the last episode was so emotionally satisfying. It was such a good conclusion to this incredible show that it brought me back around and I was like fully 100% um, invested in the story again. And also I cried a lot. So I found the ending really, really beautiful. It was really sad. Um, it's just like one farewell after another. For me particularly, you know, the the young bellhop dude who died during the Korean War when he goes and he picks up his sister and you see them disappear together like bloody hell, that made me cry so much. And of course, you know, even though I was like fully shipping Manuel with the second male lead, like the farewell that she has with Tan Song is so sad. It's so emotionally satisfying. It's sad in the way it should be. Um, it's really beautiful, but it's so bitter. Like it's, it's intense. Um, so yeah, the ending for me was really, really good. I really liked it. And even though it was horrifically sad, it, it felt like it was what it should be for, for a show about death that about the inevitableness of death, I don't think I would have liked, you know, if they'd pulled some strings and suddenly it was a big happy ever after and everyone got to stay and live a new life together. Like, I feel like that would have negated the whole point of the show and the, the things that the show is trying to talk about, which is time is precious because it's limited. That's why it's precious. You know, if it lasts forever, then you know, you can just squander it and not care. So the fact that you're going to die is why you should live. And I think if that's the theme of the show and then it ends with this big happy, everything's fine and no one had to go to the afterlife and have their memories wiped, I think I would have felt really shortchanged by that. So I was really, really happy with it, even though there's like this one sort of like almost little end epilogue thing where Chan Song and Ayu, uh, Manuel are kind of like sitting on a bench and everything's fine. And I'm like, is this the next life? Like, is this a different life? I almost feel like it was a, it was the future. So I guess, you know, maybe Chan Song lived his whole life and died as an old dude. And then he's been reborn and there at the same time. I don't really know. I really don't know. If you know, please tell me what your interpretation of that was. Um, and just before I finish up on this very long waffly chit chat or whatever I've been doing, I just want to mention, I loved the little end cameo. There's great cameos in this drama that I really enjoy, especially Lee Jun Ki's like mad priest kind of cameo was really fun, like an exorcist priest. Um, but the very end, we kind of see who it is who's been chosen as the next owner of, you know, the, the guest house of the moon. And it's uh, the actor Kim Soo Hyun, you know, drinking a cool drink and looking very suave. And I was like, I'd watch that show. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if they had a sequel, like I'd be into it. That'd be fine. So all in all, Hotel de Luna, what a good show. I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. I wish I'd watched it straight away. Um, it's sad. I still feel a bit sad, but it's worth it. It's so worth your time. I think it's really beautiful. And I think it has some really epically beautiful things to say about the world without ever getting twee or like, you know, tied up in a red bow kind of about about the themes that it's talking about. Uh, so that's it from me on the 16 episode Korean drama Hotel de Luna. Thank you for listening.
So it's time for my random thing of the week and like always it's pretty pretty random um, just because of I guess the themes that I've been talking about because of watching Hotel de Luna and also the themes that I've been thinking about and ideas because of that show you know Memento Mori and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to read this like really super 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 short um, extract of a poem. So I went to a secondhand shop which I really enjoy to do like bookshops and just picked up this really random poetry collection so maybe there's listeners out there that know a lot more about this than I do but I got it because it was interesting it's called Songs of a Mad Prince Poems by T.H. Jones so I don't really know much about it but I just wanted to read this one little extract because I don't know it, it kind of has the imagery in it I think of a lot of the themes that um Hotel de Luna kind of brings to mind for me anyway. So here it is. This is authentic dark. Startling the air comes the beat. Beat of the heart. The breath. Shivers unseen. Is there anything there? How can we image the lonely moment of death? I don't know. That's random. But I like it. It um, It's atmospheric, I guess. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so something that I'm loving this week is a bit of a weird one, <laughs> but uh, I was doing a boring job, which was cleaning out a weird old cupboard in my house. And I came across this weird old stash of like, you know, stuff that doesn't work and is no good, but also I hadn't thrown it away because for whatever reason, I felt like it was important. And one thing I found in this weird old place was <laughs> an old plastic pen with like Lee Min Ho's face on the pen. <laughs> So the hilarious thing about it is that it doesn't work, but clearly I never threw it out. Um, and it must be at least 10 years old because I do actually remember that when I first, you know, first discovered Korean drama, um, you know, I wasn't familiar with it before that. And I just became obsessed. And it's all I wanted to talk about and watch. And I remember back then G started like buying me kind of like if he, if he came across something Korean drama related anywhere he'd always buy it for me and I feel like it was always a bit of a joke so like he came home and he's like oh look Lee Min Ho on a pen here you go <laughs> and um but obviously I didn't think it was that much of a joke and I was like thank you thank you very much I'm gonna use this forever and then apparently when the ink runs dry just I don't know keep it in a box forever <laughs> So that was a weird thing to kind of pull out again this week and find again after so long. This weird old pen with Lehman Ho's little face all over it. Um, but you know, it's nice. I really like it. So it's something that I'm loving. I'm loving the memory of it. <laughs> As always, just quickly, uh, I just want to say a big thank you to all those people who support me on Patreon. Um, thank you guys very, very much for your support there. And if any other listeners are interested, you can check out my Patreon for extra uh, Patreon exclusive uh k-drama episodes and uh like blog posts and stuff about what i've been watching at the moment and also thank you very very much to all my patreon supporters <music>